Hi, this is Kenny. And this is Mark. And this is a special promo before our iconic episode. <laughs> iconic. <of> <laughs> it's, who knows if it's going to be, again. Okay, it's not up to us to it's decide. It's not up to us to decide. Anyway, if we're still talking about this conversation in 30 years, it's iconic. Oh, okay. That's the rule. Remember? 30 you, years. Do you think anybody's going to be even listening to podcasts in 30 years? Are people going to have hearing in 30 years? Are we going to have technology in 30 years? Are we going to have snow in 30 years? Oh. Uh. In case you haven't heard, Kenny and I are kicking off our 2023 Live and In Front of You tour. Yes. We are going on tour this year. We're extra, going, extra. Read all about it. We are going everywhere and anywhere that will have us. <laughs> anywhere. Anywhere. Um, thank you, everyone, for your enthusiastic uh, requests for us to come to your city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere. Set up a venue. And, and, we'll and, and give us some money. Yeah. Give us some money. Kansas City, pay up. <laughs> but we're going to kick it off in London in yes. uh, February of 2023. Yeah, baby. We, we are going to London in uh, collaboration with the wonderful Brian Mullen. Uh, his show, Live to Tell, a proposal for the Madonna Jukebox musical, is playing at the Omnibus Theater in Clapham. Clapham. Clapham from February 7th through February 18th. And we will be there the first weekend of shows uh, on Friday, the 10th of February. We will be hosting a post-show discussion with Brian yep. about Madonna as muse for reinvention. Yes, so please come to that show and hang out with us after. And then on Sunday the 12th, yes. at 1 p.m. UK time, yes. we will be doing a live taping of All I Want to Do Is Talk About Madonna at the Omnibus. Yes, and we will be talking about... Well, wait a second. Are we really going to tell everybody? You think we should give it a secret? I think we should tell everybody. So we thought about what would be the best way to uh, kick off Madonna's most British album, American yeah. Life, than with a conversation about... American Life. The song. The, the video, videos. The remixes. The controversies. Yes. The album itself, the whole yes. album. We're going to talk about it all. We're going to talk about the song. We're going to talk about her beret. We're going to talk about everything live and in front of an audience. So come join us. Yes, please, please. We were so excited to see you come from near and far. Yeah, there's a Eurostar. Yeah. Berlin, a, a, London, Berlin. Amsterdam. Everybody. Paris. New Zealand. Paris. Come a on over. Australia. Spain. I know we have some Spanish listeners. Please come. Asia. Not Asia. They're gonna they have to quarantine when they well, come they to the Well, they can plan ahead. It's oh. we this we're giving them plenty of time. Oh my gosh. You can Antarctica. <laughs> Antarctica. We have We're, people who listen in Antarctica. I know. We, it's crazy. Uh, we love you all. Come to <laughs> London. We will be there February 10th and 12th and maybe another couple of shows during the week. And we will be running around England. Um, ticket information can be found in the show notes below. Also on our Instagram. We will be probably promoting it again and again until then. Yes. Uh, and we can't wait to see you all. And please, if you haven't already purchased tickets to Brian's show, Live to Tell, a proposal for a jukebox musical at the Omnibus, do it now. Do it now, you guys. And do it and come on that Sunday and come do a double header. Our show is five pounds. Five pounds. Five and pounds. then Brian's We're show cheap. is at four. We're cheap. So so come see us at one and then get a coffee. Yeah. And then see Brian's show at four. It's like a great Sunday in Clapham. It's a perfect day. All right. See you then. 
Bye. Bye. Oh, let's get on to the episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have an episode to talk about. Yeah. yeah. All right, Kenny. Let's start the episode. Boop, 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 boop. I'm going to lay down. This is Mark. And this is Kenny. And this is all I want to do is talk about Richie. Madonna Richie. Mrs. Richie. Madonna Chaconi Richie. <laughs> this is all I want to do is talk about Madonna. And this is a special episode. Die another day. I'm gonna wake up, yes and no. I'm gonna kiss some part of. I'm gonna keep this secret. I'm gonna close my body. Goodness gracious. Here we are. A new song, a new era. Uh, it's all happening. I I am. Um, oh, Kenny's fanning himself. I'm this is very exciting. so hot and bothered. <laughs> this song just gets under my skin. It just makes me want to dance and groove and funk and push things out. And, <laughs> punch. And, and moan. Well, it reminds me of that punch at the end of Drown World Tour. I know. I know. It's sort of that same energy that's like, I'm going to get you, motherfuckers. <laughs> This is this is a, a, a an amazing Madonna song. Oh, it's such an amazing song. So unexpected. A so total unexpected. Surprise. A surprise. A left turn. A surprise. It's it's a, a soundtrack song. It's a new era announcing song. Yes. It's all kinds of things. It's a Bond song. I mean, this is the thing. Like this is you know she's. She's done so many great soundtrack songs. In yeah. fact, I would say some of her best work has been her soundtrack work. Well, and, and as you work. say, all of her assignment songs. Yeah, her assignment songs. Yeah. And this is, of course, an assignment song, but it also is very personal or it feels like it is. It's yeah. telling us a lot of stuff. But it also is like getting to do the James Bond theme is like the Super Bowl of soundtrack songs. Totally. There's nothing greater than doing the sound, the the theme song for James Bond. Yes. Right? In our culture. Correct. Better or worse. Better or, and, and worse. I mean, the, the pressure of it is very, is very big. Yes. Apparently she was asked several times to do this and she, it wasn't the right time, wasn't the right time. And even this time... They, she was working with Mirway. They had this song. It wasn't called Die Another Day. It had another name. It didn't have all the, the bells and whistles of the song, including the, the um, orchestration. But they sent it in and were like, well, maybe this will work. And Do you think they did it as kind of a dare? 
Like they were like, yeah. oh my God, the, Bruca- the the producers won't stop leaving me alone. I'm just going to send them a demo and they're going to hate it and we're going to be fine. They're going to leave me alone. Yeah. I think, well, also like a sort of like, fuck them. Let's, let's see if they'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally yeah, a dare. Totally. Yeah. 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 And sort of like, this is the only way I can do this, you know, like. Exactly. And in a way it's true. I mean, not in a way. It's a very Madonna way to approach a a kind of legacy um, assignment. Yeah, because there aren't very many other Bond songs that really break the form as much as this. I mean, this breaks the form in so many ways. Totally, so many ways. And and I think also um, uh, the producers of the Bond movie, they were looking to kind of shake up the, the franchise itself. But before we system. get into this, yeah. before we get into this, Kenny, yes, we, we last left Madonna punching her way through the, the, auditor- the Shrine Auditorium yes. in L.A., finishing the Drowned World tor- Tour in Triumph. What's she been up to since then? Oh, girl, she's been up to so much. So fact, many things going on. When I start on. to think about it, I'm Our heads exhausted. Um, but she, well, I think you have said it best about that she actually has a very clear goal. Yes. One of the great things about her relationship with Guy Ritchie is that she um, has made a commitment to settle in London. And I think part of that is she wants to uh, get to a inner circle of of English society, which would be the royals. And (laughs) and everything is about moving closer and closer into the orbit of Queen Elizabeth II. And I think there is this idea of like, okay, well, if I'm going to if I'm going to make this sacrifice and I'm going to move my whole life to England and I'm going to enroll my kids in school and I'm going to find a gym to go to every day and a Kabbalah center and a yoga studio and all this stuff. I'm going to get the Mini Cooper. I'm going to drive around. I want to meet the queen. Oh my God. Yes. That's that's that's, that's the, the justification. Meet the queen or become Dame Madonna. Well, that's that's a tall order. Dame Madonna. But you have you to s- do a lot of stuff to become a dame. True, but when you say this whole story with this idea, it makes me just think it's like a classic Victorian novel of like, you know, or like it's she's like an Edith Wharton character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Edith I like that. In Britain. <laughs> um, and, um, or it's like uh, my fair lady. Is it like, she's at home. She's like the rain in Spain <laughs> oh, falls mainly on the plains. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> she's like, I'm certain to become part of British royalty. Oh boy. Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's trying different voices as we know. Okay. Uh, okay. All but right. yes, I think you're right. I think that, well, she's there. She might as well try to ascend to the 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 biggest, the most important circle of influence possible. Totally, right? totally. And I think I think what's what's really interesting about this time is you know uh, what a romantic gesture to, yeah. to to settle with Guy Ritchie in London. It's a it's a domestic life. It's a solid relationship. She she the the all of the kind of like strum and drang have kind of settled down in her relationships and she's able to kind of um, kind of build some kind of like life there. Yeah, and it's really like a first time that at least in the many years that we... I mean, maybe with Carlos, she had some time where she was building a life in LA, I guess, or New York with him. But really, this is like, she's married, she has two kids, right? Because Rocco's really a baby, but, you know... Um, and she's re- it's like she's never really experienced this before nor have we right and so we're watching her and she's at a place too where she's like she's still in her 40s she's um has all that power that we just saw on the drown world tour and she's also like and i think the drown world tour fed her this other thing of like i can do more 
Well, and, and, and right away she went into the studio with Merway to start making new music. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's what's so interesting about she's just done this huge tour and she wants, she can't wait to get back in and make something new, Yeah, which I yeah. think is really good. And yet, GHV2. Yeah. Well, she needs to make something new, but she also needs to sort of um, tie a bow on this last decade yes. of work, right? Yes. And, and we so- touched on this in the last episode, but but um, in the fall of 2001, um, she released uh, another Greatest Hits album, which yeah. went through a lot of changes, right? A, a fair amount. It had many different names. Um, and um, I think one of them was called like The Second Coming. Or yeah. Something. yeah. <laughs> and, Sounds very, um, yeah. And then she, oh, ultimately they landed on GHV2, which when she um, has this interview with Matt Lauer at the end of the year, he makes fun of. When you sit down to do this very creatively titled GHV2, mm-hmm. you, have to go, you have to go back. I mean, was it, were there other working titles or? Uh, listen, I was. I just finished the tour and I was going off to make a movie. I couldn't think straight. I mean, she she deserves it. I mean, and she's <laughs> laughing about it too. Yeah. She knows she's talking about being lazy and going off to make a film, which we're going to talk about. But I just want to say about GHV2 that like. I find it to be a very frustrating album in her catalog, right? As far as like the choices that were made, the things that were left off. She talks in interviews about how she's like, Fever, you know, it's a good song, but it doesn't really last. It doesn't really last for me. And, and you know, I totally disagree. I'm like, why is it Fever on the album? We know why American Pie is on the album and fine with that. But there were a bunch of songs that I wish had been there that weren't. And there are all these edited versions of songs. It's just a disappointing thing. But I don't want to talk about it anymore. The one thing I do want to talk about is on this, sorry, is the um, the GHV2 remix single that came out. Which I, re- when you reminded me of this, I had forgotten about this. And I remember really trying to find the those mixes because they were issued for DJ. I don't yeah. think they ever came out commercially. And I, I remember trying to like... I went to every record company, every record store I could find, every DJ I knew in in club world. Like, did you get those promos? Yeah. And I could never find them. There were four of them. I think that there was, you know, there was a CD with four of them. And the one, though, that got radio play was the Thunderpuss mix. Which, you know, I... cool, but really? Uh, I'm trying to be charitable. Have you ever seen the video for it? Um, I have. That's that's the only thing. I I don't think the the mix is ever played in clubs, but I did see it like video bars. I would see the mix, the the video mix. Yeah. And in some ways, I mean, if you look at the artwork for GHV2, the visual is what is exciting about it. Yeah, but you know, the artwork is taken from like a a photo shoot for a magazine that she did. It's not even like... It's like... It's like it's like she put the same amount of effort into this that she did like the Who's That Girl video, except she forgot to show up for the shoot. <laughs> well, and I love this idea that like they faxed her the proofs for the album while she was in Sardinia, and she was like, "Fine, fine, fine." Oh, well, I think this is also a testament to her like being like, you know, the past is the past, right? Which I think when we talk more about Die Another Day, Die Another Day is de- like. 
GHV2 is the period at the end of, of this, this decade and of this ty- type of work. Die Another Day is like the thesis for what's coming next. Correct. Right? And she was already working on this. So it almost yeah. feels like, you know, clutter that she just needs to tidy yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, there was like just in a personal connection to that. There was this time when I decided I was going to stop writing traditional plays. Mm. And I had had four big plays produced and had, and, um, I, one of them had been published, but I had three others that were, I was sort of like waiting and seeing if something else would happen. And then there came a point where I was like, I'm not going to do anything else with these plays. And so I sent them to my publisher and I was like, I would love to publish these um, because I just want them out of my house, like yeah. out of my brain, you know, like the clutter yeah. and in a way that's what GHB2 feels to me. Like it's on a shelf. You know, they're there, but I don't have to like live with them or, or come to terms with them anymore. Yeah. I'm moving on to something new. Totally, yeah. totally. And I think yeah. that, uh, I think that that really, um, uh, I think we all were ready for something new as well. Yeah, for sure. Totally. So she goes off and she makes, uh, she, she, she does a lot of, now that she has kind of built up, uh, uh, kind of musical credibility, she's just in two huge records, done a massive world tour. She's out to try some new things and and tackle some new challenges. She's got to get back to her acting. One is a film with her husband called Swept Away that's a maverick project, her film, her commissioned work, and then a play in the West End called Up for Grabs. Yeah. Both of which happen um, and interrupt her uh, recording sessions with Merway. Yeah, she goes off to um, film Swept Away. She comes back and records a little more and then goes back into rehearsal for Up for Grabs and then doesn't come back to recording American Life until... The Six end months. of that year, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which know. I think is kind of interesting because you know, and and we'll talk about this more when we get to American Life. But um, this is the first album, really, where she takes her time and has kind of comes back and forth. To well, it. yeah, I mean, she takes a lot of time with Ray of Light, right? Which yeah. we know, um, but that's consecutive time. This is where she really steps away from an album. Yeah, and I really, I think it'll be interesting when we get to American Life because I really feel like that shows up in the album totally um i feel like there's like two different albums in there at once which is part of what i think makes us that a really compelling and and uh yeah i'll say compelling album to talk about well just like amber in swept away is two different people mm. yeah so yeah so we can <laughs> talk quickly about swept away swept away is a is a, a guy Richie joint um from 2002 yeah. and uh, Madonna plays a uh, a rich spoiled wife named Amber who um uh learns the value of true love and doesn't learn to look out the window of an airplane as she's helicopter. flying a helicopter as she's flying away yeah yeah it's a it's um it's a tough movie mark yeah um I I, uh, I I don't know that I can really talk about it too much without going into great detail. I find Swept Away to be problematic on so many levels. Like, um, I do believe that she is actually raped in the film and um, and then she sort of, you know, um, has to call him master at certain points. I mean, there's some things you want to see just to be like Madonna is like groveling. Um, and it's well, it's hard to watch. Well, and when, when he like throws the fish at her and she yeah. has to like, you know, <laughs> play yeah. catch with fish. And However, I will say there are a few things. One is, um, you know, there's some great supporting cast in this. Yes. Gene Triplehorn, baby. Gene Triplehorn. David and, Thornton. And Elizabeth. And um, Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks. An early Elizabeth Banks yes. performance. Yeah. Um, and um, 
Guy Ritchie really shoots her beautifully. Yes. She looks so amazing. Like, I think that was one thing we talked about, which we saw on the Drown World Tour. It's still like that body, that body, the yeah. arms, the muscular power of her. And when, and you know, he gives her the music video, the dance number in Swept Come Up Away. to My House. Yeah. yeah. That I've wanted from all the other films. Yeah. Like, he shoots her so beautifully and with such great, and it's such a great number, you know? But I think that's also what makes the movie so bad is that there's so much potential in it. Yeah. And, and that, that come up to my house sequence really shows what, what would have been possible had the material been better and yeah. everyone's confidence in Madonna, including her own, was yeah. better. Because yeah. um, that's the only moment in the movie where she really kind of takes the movie Yes. Takes over the movie. And he's also, he his talent and his technique is up to the task. Well, there's a great clip of them rehearsing that. And she's like, he's like trying to give her direction. And she's yelling at him like, no, God. And we'll listen to a clip of it. I don't know what else. That's good. Just keep doing that stuff. But I need a flat surface. I can do no, like it. I like it when you're doing it on the I love this dynamic. And I love that, you know, she's really fighting for it and really saying what she needs. But she's being a little petulant. He's actually really enjoying it. Everybody's laughing. There's something a little misogynistic about it too, but I think she's into that at this moment or that's what it seems like. You well, know? and, and, and I mean, and, and that's the thing, they did a ton of promo for this and a ton of oh, press yeah. for it. And, uh, and this was also around the time, um, when DVDs were such a big deal and there would be lots of bonus content. So there were these like polished, like interviews and, and pe behind the scenes yeah. making featurettes yes. as they called them. And, um, and you, you could just tell how much fun they're all having yeah. making the movie and and being together in this beautiful place they're on the beaches in Sardinia they're on these beautiful boats it's just it, it and they're having such a wonderful time and they're it's sexy and it's and yeah. it's fun and it's it's very Europe I wish that that had come out in the film exactly you know, I think this is something that happens though in creative process all the time like the process can be so rich and then what shows up is like nothing compared to it. Yeah. And it's like, this is a great example of it because everything around the film, like, and I kind of wish it had been the film, like the, the making of the film had yeah. been the movie, which yeah. is the same way I feel always about, you know, Madonna's greatest work is like when she plays herself and it's just in these circumstances. Like, because yeah, when there's that great interview where they interview each other. Now, next question. Stick pins in your eyes. Or work with me again. Which would you prefer? Well, if right now, stick pins in my eyes. No. Your eyes. My eyes. Did I say that <laughs> right? Let me rephrase that. Stick pins in my eyes? No. Stick pins in your eyes. <laughs> Don't try to confuse me. You're always doing this. Richie's removals. Yes. My first company. Swept away. Quite an evolution. Where did it all go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. There's also that little movie they made where it's like she's like this diva and there are all these gorgeous guys and there she's playing to the camera. That's so funny too. Who the fuck is this from? I don't know, but apparently the critics love her. Are you ready for us, darling? You ready? Three, two, one. There comes a time in every actress's life when she has to step outside of herself and be brutally, brutally honest. That time has come for me. 
I've made a great many films in my very brief life. Some of them great. Some of them, who gives a shit? Um, and like, I just wish that there had been more of that that fell found its way into the film itself. Yeah. And, and, and the, the thing is, is we can go back and look at that. We can look at that yeah. and kind of wonder what if. Um, Up for Grabs is this weird kind of stage project that kind of happened. And, and oddly enough, most of the footage from it is either her getting in and out of the theater. <laughs> that, that sweet man that videotapes her over and over again coming in yeah, and out. Yeah, you said there's like 30 minutes of that. Uh, just her walking 30 <laughs> feet from the car to the theater and back. And then also uh, the critics' reception to the, to the show. Yeah, there's, there's one in particular, this round table, where I feel like one of the critics really gets to something very true about Madonna. Well, it's two things happened for me that I didn't expect to happen. One was that I liked her. She has an incredible vulnerability, the kind of vulnerability that Marilyn Monroe sort of had. And I found myself sitting there thinking, I'd love to see her in a Willie Minge play, doing Bus Stop or something like that. She's very, very vulnerable. The other thing is that I've never seen anyone on stage before who had no stage presence. I mean, some <laughs> people have bad stage presence or she has none. And it was fascinating because this is the most, if not, as you said, the most famous woman in the world. How is it possible? that there's this incredible sort of void around her. And I think it has got to go down to the fact that Madonna, and I'm putting it now for the rest of my life anyway, in quotes, is an act. And so you can't, an act can't actually act. And I think this is the thing that gets in the way, this like, the persona of Madonna is the performance. Mm. And therefore it's really hard to break that. You know, her best performances are in Truth or Dare. Um, or, you know, or in Desperately Seeking Susan when we didn't know what that performance yeah. was yet. And yet, and, and in a way, like, I'm like, um, at this point, and in a way I think she is too because there's really only a couple more acting things she does. Like, I'm kind of tired of watching it. Like, it's so painful to me because she's so great. And I just wish that she could bring that to other things, you know? Well, and the challenge of doing a stage show, and she did she did up for grabs in the West End for 16 or 18 weeks in the, yeah. su the spring and summer of 2002. And it was also around that time that, like, you know, Nicole Kidman had done The Blue Room, which which had been a huge sensation in, in, your, in London. Gwyneth Paltrow was about to open and prove. Matt Damon was doing This Is Our Youth by Kenny Lonergan yeah. in the West End. So there were a lot of, of, of American stars around at that time. Um, so she, she definitely was part of like a trend. The consistency of having to do that same performance over and over again, I think she wasn't interested in doing in the same place right over and over again she just wasn't interested in doing it and 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 the play up for grabs it's a very strange play where she, a lot of her uh scenes are by herself talking on the phone or to us and you would think that would be a really interesting dynamic between madonna and the people but we can't give her back what she needs to make something happen either Mm -hmm. And it's, so it's this strange kind of, she's almost acting in a vacuum, which I think is really interesting too. Well, I mean, I, I, I think the most important thing to think about here though, is that she needed to be on the West End because she needed the queen 
and to know that she was... She's here. She's here. She's here and she's yeah. making a splash. She's making a splash. Um, she is making a splash. And she's, she's showing up to work. She's obviously doing the stuff. She's also doing a lot of other stuff in London around this time, right? Like she's um, gave an award out at the Tate. It's best when there is no money because art has nothing to do with money and everything to do with love. And like love, it can be inspiring, inexplicable, provocative, and sometimes infuriating. Nevertheless, we cannot live without it. So that is why I'm here. Not because I think that one artist is better than another, but because I want to support any artist who not only has something to say, but the balls to say it. In a time when political correctness is valued over honesty, I would also like to say, right on, motherfuckers. Yes. Everyone, everyone is a winner. Okay, so, and the winner is. <laughs> right. <clears throat> right. She's, she's making herself as visible as possible. She's trying to get on the Queen's radar. <laughs> Yes, right? yes. I mean, yeah. taking the kids to Buckingham Palace for a tour, maybe. Right. Maybe. Like, oh, do you think she did? No, no. But the, the <laughs> Tina and the, and the nannies took the oh, kids. Tina, but Tina, Tina. But you know, she's also can doing. Can you take Rocco and Lourdes to Buckingham Palace? Make sure the Queen knows you're there, Tina. <laughs> Tina, <laughs> but get off of your BlackBerry. But I also think... hold on. I got a fax, Tina. <laughs> But I also, you know, I mean, she's she's walking, she's she's out and about at the gym a lot. Yes. Your favorite Madonna, yes, Look. Uh, my favorite, all my favorite Madonna looks in her sweatpants <laughs> and her, and she's starting to drive a Mini Cooper. Yeah, she she's one of the people. She's going to pubs. She's hanging out. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of pictures of her in her Mini Cooper driving around. Yeah, which yeah. I think is hilarious. I love it. I, I love it. it too. I mean, Mini Coopers were huge things. They're yeah. still huge in, yeah. in London. She's like, it's very sensible. It's only fifteen thousand pounds but so i guess when the opportunity to do the bond theme yes. comes along yes she grabs it with and both hands makes a deal makes a deal and part of that deal is her final acting performance it's not her final really well because she does will and grace next year <laughs> film darling <laughs> we're talking about film oh well no acting can take place in any medium okay art. why not all right <laughs> so but her final film performance as an actor as of yet yes, yes is yes. verity the verity. fencing instructor in die another day yeah so this yeah. is part of the deal is she's going to make the film, make the uh, the theme song, and she's going to have a special cameo as Verity. One of the most important scenes of the film. <laughs> <laughs> Gustav? Verity. And Mr. Bond. James Bond. Have we met before? Oh, I think I'd remember. Of course you would. My mistake. Are you a gambling man, Mr. Bond? Yeah, if the stakes are right. A thousand a point too much for you? Mm. Care to place a bet, Verity? No, thanks. I don't like cockfights. Kind of. So I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I have a lot of questions about Verity. First of all, where does she go? 
when she leaves? Yeah, because okay, so Verity's hanging out. Her 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 bodice is undone. Yeah. Her corset is undone for no reason. We don't. Know yeah, why. how did she meet James Bond? Well, James Bond comes in. But how does he? How does she know him? Everybody knows James Bond, and she and he knows Verity. How do you meet Verity? Verity's just a woman about town. <laughs> they probably go to one of those fancy like sex clubs for rich people. You know okay. what I mean? Does They've she bring her it. sword? Um, I think she has it, but she she doesn't ever use it. Okay. But she may use it like hold it against your neck when she's like jacking you off. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I'm not going there today. Um, but, but but here's here's my point. So so. I just like I love it when I say something really blue, and Mark just like totally turns away from me. So, Madonna. So Verity introduces James Bond to Gustav, played by Toby Stevens, Maggie Smith's son, and then they have this graphic battle where there's blood, and they're like almost killing each other, and they're jumping in the fountain together, and there's this huge sword fight. And didn't anyone say to Verity, "Hey, I think your friends are fighting"? Oh, you mean after she introduces? Yeah, them. and disappears. Oh, but yeah, I mean that's not her role. Like Verity, Verity had other things to do. See, I think it would. So Rosamund Pike is also. This is an early Rosamund Pike film as a Bond girl, and I would have loved if Madonna had stopped their battle, been like, "Enough." <laughs> well. She wasn't given any agency in this film. She had like seven lines to say, which are not bad lines. No. And she delivers them fine. And she's there when he says Bond, James Bond. Yeah, she's there for an iconic moment. Yes, correct. Um, and then she she um, she helps facilitate a connection so the film can move forward. Yeah. She walks out. Where does she go? I don't know. She probably goes to take all that stuff off. She's like, I need to go lay down. <laughs> and maybe she goes to therapy later that day. Maybe she... Um, well, Rosamund Pike isn't giving her the time of day. She's got to go off with James Bond. No, Verity Verity maybe has to go do some of the bookkeeping. You know, <laughs> like, it's hard to run a fencing school. I know, well, I'm sure there's a lot of, like, you know, trims to make. Right. To the finances. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, so it, I feel like, you know, you said this, which I think is really funny about, like, the the film, the the sequence is, like, it's not essential to the film. And it's it's like, it's as if she won it at an auction. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it is like she won it at an auction. Well, it's such a campy moment. And and the thing about, it's a it's probably the most Roger Moore moment we've had in many years uh. in a James Bond movie because it's so campy. And, and I, 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 what's interesting about Die Another Day as a movie, it, 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 it's not a very good Bond movie because they're definitely trying to reinvent it and reinvent invigorate it for a new era uh -huh. and there's something very you know stodgy about bond at yeah. this point and they're they're trying to contemporize it and i think having madonna do that that theme is is kind of a way to to get that to happen for sure for sure it's unfortunate that her performance like that it's not a more dynamic um little cameo well it doesn't you know need I mean? to be and you know Halle Berry's waiting in the wings to come out of the water and take you're over right the it movie. doesn't need to be but it could have been like for Don't. example say like um Grace Jones who had been in earlier bonds had played Verity oh my god that scene would have popped in a different way but Madonna didn't have a chance or the capacity to bring something extra or one of the ab fab women had played Verity do you know what I'm saying like there could have been ways to play that in a way that would have been really funny 
tart and like and succinct, which it is. Totally. Um, totally. Oh my God. If if Grace Jones's May Day had shown up in like, I didn't die. I'm here now. Totally. That would have been I'm amazing. Now running a fencing school. Well, I mean, I think that this <laughs> I'm goes in back, hiding. This goes back to exactly this goes back to what Madonna's goal of getting in front of the Queen. Yeah. She was like, Well, um, Dame Judy Dench won uh the Academy Award for seven minutes in Shakespeare in Love. I can do it in two. <laughs> <laughs> they are now in a movie together. Technically, die another day. That's right. They're both in That's the movie right. together. Well, she was like, Dame Judy, um, can you invite me to the Queens for coffee? She's like, it's tea and no, <laughs> no. She's like, Damn it. I gotta go. I'm, I'm, I'm doing Amy's Damn view. It. Let's before we get to the song because I want to get to the song. It's like time to get to the song. Yeah. However, I just want to acknowledge like the 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 power of James Bond and oh, what yeah. it means culturally, um, and you know the complicatedness of it, but also like the history of it. Like, um, what is your history with James Bond? Well, I'm a huge James Bond fan, and I I think that. Uh, you know, it, it, it's something in the culture. I think sometimes we kind of take it for granted now because it's been going so long. I mean, before Star Wars, before Star Trek, before any of, before Avatar, before Marvel movies, there was James Bond movies. And it was a reliable cottage industry and a very British one. It's a, it's, it's one of their proudest, um, exports. Yeah. Well, you know, and film. it came out of Books. They were correct. Ian Fleming. Even Fleming. Ian Fleming. Books. The brilliant Ian Fleming's um, books. Which my dad had all of the books. Yeah. He read all of the books. Well, and I, my my stepfather, I had a stepfather named Stephen, who I don't think I've ever mentioned on the show. No. He um he was a very different kind of man than I was. He liked to play golf and smoke and drink, and I liked to dance and play tennis. And um he, but the one thing, and we didn't have anything in common. The one thing we bonded over was. James Bond. And I was the only one of my siblings who could sit and watch a whole James Bond movie with him. And he had every one of them on VHS from Dr. No through A Living Daylights, I think was the last one, uh, or License to Kill. And, um, and I would watch, and we watched all of them in a random order. And it really was like the most... Um, the best way to kind of bond with him and connect with him because it had violence and it had uh, fabulous women and campy villains and pop songs. I mean, it, it was a hybrid of uber-masculine ideals and also this kind of like cultural queer thing because there's something very queer about James Bond in a lot of ways mm, I yeah, think yeah the villains and the women and the, the you know you have all these powerful women in it um and it really was like a magical time with him um he died in 2001 and I I, I kind of shudder to think what he would think of Madonna both in a movie and playing and doing the song. Uh -huh. I don't think he would, it'd be like Jane Fonda being in a Bond movie because he hated Jane Fonda because <laughs> oh, yeah. of yeah. her Vietnam things right. and right. Uh, refused to see anything after 1970 that J Jane Fonda was ever in. <laughs> so, you know, it, it kind of shudders me, but um, do you have a favorite uh, like James Bond theme? Cause uh, the music is yeah. what we're really here to talk about. Yeah. Well, I have a few, um, if that's okay. I have, I guess I have, Three, okay. Okay. Um, though I love all, almost all of them. Um, but I'd say the first one that is really important to me for my childhood, because my dad as well and I and my brother and my, even my mom, like, 
we would go see all the James Bond movies yeah. um, when I was younger. The one that really, and I was like of the Roger, Roger Moore era, so I didn't really get all the allure. Of, I didn't understand Sean Connery until much later. And um, But the one that I um, first loved the most was For Your Eyes Only by Machine Easton. Uh. For your eyes only can see me through the night. For your eyes only, I never knew. I just, I, I love Sheena Easton, underrated artist who's sort of forgotten in our culture now, but did such great things in the 80s, you know? My second one, which I consider like the dirty uncle to die another day, is um, A View to a Kill by Duran Duran. charting Bond single yeah. of all of the songs was due to a kill. Yeah, and I say it's a dirty uncle because in so many ways it breaks the form. It's much more of a pop song than other songs are, and it's and it's a, a danceable song, whereas a lot of the songs are sort of slower and more melodic or epic ballads, you know? And it kind of had its own life with Duran Duran yeah. outside of the movie, which yeah. I thought was also a really uh, one of the great things about it. Yeah, I agree. And then the one that I really love from now, from now times um, is I just think Skyfall is a phenomenal song. This is the end Hold your breath and count to ten Feel the earth move and then Hear my heart burn Moment. So overdue, I owe 
it's a gorgeous, gorgeous yeah. song. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's haunting. It and it, and that's one where it fits the movie yeah. in a way that um, lifts it. And I think those are the best Bond themes, or when the theme, because I, even a View to a Kill, which is such a Duran Duran song, the the melody of it snakes through the movie in this way that haunts it. Mm. The same way Skyfall does as well. It's yeah. it's a wonderful, wonderful. What are your favorites? My favorite, well, Miss Shirley Bassey, obviously, uh -huh. and um, Diamonds Are Forever is probably my favorite of the historic um, Bond themes. Um, I just think it's so funny and wonderful and, and fabulous. Diamonds are forever They are all I need to please me Stimulate and tease me They won't leave in the night I've no fear that they might desert me Diamonds are forever Hold one up and then caress it Touch it, stroke it and then That's it. That's your number one. That's it. I mean, it's a phenomenal one. I think that is the that is the the iconic one, right? Yes. I, I think I'm using Goldfinger. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Goldfinger. Yeah. 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 And I there mean, are lots I, of other I good love ones. I love Carly Simon doing Nobody Does It Better. Yeah. I love Goldeneye by Golden Miss Tina Turner. I think it's great. I mean, she is really she does really interesting soundtrack songs. I also think We Don't Need Another Hero is such a great yeah, soundtrack song. Yeah, um, all of them have that that strings. Yes, you know? yes, and the strings I think are that and that hauntingness that you said like is the thing that personifies a Bond song. And I think was some of the things that when they were making Die Another Day that the the executives and the the filmmakers and the the franchise around James Bond really wanted Madonna and Mirway to add in more of which is what they did they uh, they brought in strings um and they sort of bonded it up 
you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I so so they had a song called um, Can't You See My Mind that they yeah. were working on, and they sent that in as the song, and um, it was going to have other titles, and then they decided we'll, we'll retitle it Die Another Day. And I think what's so interesting about it as a song is... Um, it's that stutter, it's that back and forth, it's that, it's that break in, because Madonna had had strings in Frozen and all kinds of different things, and it's the way Merway, like, breaks it up yeah. and, and records it is, is what makes it so, so, um, thrillingly new. Yeah, well, it was, I feel like the song is really building on, like, this trend or 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 movement that was happening in music of like electro clash, which mm -hmm. I think was a complicated sound for some people. Some people really liked it and some people didn't. And I, I sort of think it goes into this. When I heard the song, I was like, oh, this reminds me of so much of the music I'm listening to, though totally different. But it was like Tiga, Scissor Sisters, Lady Tron. Peaches. Peaches were yeah. all sort of in this sort of, it was like somehow like lo-fi, but also complicated and surprising and jagged. This song is really jagged. I mean, I think that like one of the boldest things in the song are those silences. Where the oh song my just God, yeah, stops. stops. Yeah. And we don't know if it's going to start again. And then she's like, uh. because you, you talking about Electric Clash and those artists, it made me kind of deep dive back into them. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is really interesting is there's a lot of very um, mono singing yeah. with not a lot of expression yeah. in a lot of it, but the lyrics are really funny yeah. and smart. Ironic. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think Die Another Day and Madonna's lyrics capture that same kind of vibe yeah and yet madonna being madonna can't or she has so much more emotion in her voice yeah she doesn't do it the same way which makes it fresh and exciting it's not an it's not an um, an homage to electric clash it's something new yes well this is what madonna does i mean totally she's again like and she does over and over again for you know as we've moved further into her career She's taking this movement, this sound, and her and Mirway are sort of flipping it into something. It goes through the Madonna factory and comes out totally originally her, right? Yeah. 
I do think that the lyrics and this song, this is what I we were saying before about like GHV2 being the period at the end of, of an era. This song is like the thesis or the manifesto for what's coming next. You know, she's basically telling us like everything that happened before, throw it away, put it in the trash. I'm going to let my body go. I'm going to break the systems. I'm going to try something new. I'm going, uh, anything that I did before was shit. I'm going to die another day. I'm going to re- be reborn. Whatever the fuck I want to do now, I'm going to do. I'm totally free of the past. Yeah. You know, and and I think that the song really like gives us that forward momentum into like, I'm looking at the future, right? And I'm not looking at all. Even I'm in the present. I'm looking at the future. I'm not looking back. Um, which plays really big part in American life because when they talk about American life and we'll talk about this more, they talk about, we wanted to make a future, an album for the future. Yeah. You know? which, well, and, and there's an aggression to, to the, the, that, that, that kind of, um, treatise because she's like, you got to come with me cause I'm leaving you behind. Yep. And I kind of love that tension. It's not a song and it's so, it's such a like such a Madonna move that this aggressive, almost experimental song is the, this theme. So it's, yeah. it's, she's not trying to get nominated for an Oscar. She's not trying to win the Golden Globe for this song. She's just kind of doing her thing. No, she did get nominated. For she Golden. did get nominated, but like she, she's not... It, 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 you can tell when someone is taking their sound and, and edging it off to fit the, the mold of yeah. the song. Yeah. But this is something where it's like... It, it's it's so interesting when it happens in the movie because you know as in all James Bond movies it it starts with kind of a prelude sequence and then we drop into the song and it's so shocking yeah. when it comes in the movie it's so crazy that it's this like electro song yeah it's wild yeah it's wild and it's uncontrollable yeah. and then it almost like it's like I don't belong in this movie for very long see ya. Right. And I love that. Or I'll come back for two minutes. Maybe. Maybe. Um, we'll see if you're lucky. <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> but I think it. I think you're absolutely right. I feel like this song more than anything. I mean, it's a perfect captures like the energy from the Drown World tour that she must have felt on the road and this wildness and power and like just like I'm going to push forward, you know, mm. and the song just like drives and drives. I mean, I and I think the lyrics, you know, are are some of her most beautiful, poetic, powerful lyrics. Like, I, I just love them. I'm gonna wake up, yes and no. I'm gonna kiss some part of. I'm gonna keep this secret. I'm gonna close my body now. I think that, that the way that the song kind of pushes and pulls against Madonna's vocals because uh-huh. um, it, it's a song with thoughts, not sentences. Everything's a thought, not a sentence, and an impulse. Yeah. It's a lot of impulsive thoughts. Yeah. And she's just kind of like... She's telling us what she's going to do. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to break the cycle. I'm going to shake up the system. I'm going to destroy my ego. I'm gonna close my body now. That is kind of what makes it so um, restless and. Yeah. I'm gonna avoid the cliche. I'm gonna suspend my senses. I'm gonna delay my pleasure. I'm gonna close my body now. 
and the way Mir Wei, as well with the strings, um, plays with her voice. So her voice comes in and out. It it um, drop it it rises octaves. It it you know flips unexpectedly. It get cuts out. Um, it's all really thrilling. It gives it that energy that just like makes you want to move. You well, know? and and Michel Colombier is the um, the strings uh, composer, and he he gets a credit on the song as well. And he also does a couple other things on American Life later. And um, it, it, I found myself as we've been listening to it over and over again, getting ready for this conversation. I just I hum that 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 string section yeah. which at the time i just remember it being like oh this is such a this is such a james bond thing but it it it's its own thing yeah it's really beautiful it's so cool Do we want to talk about the video? No. Okay, great. <laughs> Till next time. Well, I I um want to say yes. Um, the video is um really important. It's um in history now. The video is the third most expensive video behind Michael Jackson's "Scream" and Britney Spears' "Work Bitch," <laughs> which it's like how work could bitch "Work was Bitch" that, what? how could "Work Bitch" be so expensive? How, why was it so expensive? I think just getting Britney to the set was expensive. Oh my god, that's uh, crazy! Really? I know, isn't that weird? That's shocking to I know. me. Well, that was that was what I found online, you guys. If somebody else is like, "No, no, no," please correct. Um, but um, the video is so interesting because she makes her own little Bond film, pretty much, pretty right? much. Um, she looks amazing. It's filmed by the directors are a, a, a trio, right? Yeah, Named they're Tractor. They're with a, K. a Swedish, yes, with a K, and they're a Swedish trio of of film guys. And I think this this needed three people. Uh, yeah, it's very it's it's a really big it's a it's a surprisingly epic video. Um, they had done videos for like Basement Jacks and like uh, Fat Boy Slim, so they were sort of of this time. And but this video, I think, was outside of their comfort zone as far as like what they were making specifically. Well, and 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 it's just such. Uh, I mean, I I am so blown away by how hard she works on on this. Video. Oh my god! This is an amazingly intense. The the sequences are intense. The what she has to do in the video. I mean, imagine if this character showed up in the movie. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I think like. You know, the way that she attacks her videos always, except for a few where she just shows up, love to live here anymore. Who's that girl? Um, love Profusion. Coming. Love Profusion coming up, um, which was a commercial and she just made a video. Um, that she, she really attacks these with everything. She's not afraid of going to the dirty, ugly places. Yeah. Like in this video, like she's bleeding she's totally messed up you know like everything she's a mess like well, she's being tortured she's being by tortured, like these people thrown around give she's, us the bomb codes madonna right. just give us the codes and we won't we'll stop you dunking you, know? you in the water she's like i'll never tell you the secret to my hair color ever 
Um, but I so, will do a yoga. I'll stop everything and do a yoga move. Which she jokes about in her uh, making of the video. She's like, you know, you're you're being interrogated and you just bust out a yoga move yeah. like everybody does. But she, um, it centers you. It centers yeah. you for the next dunking. Well, she's a spy and she needs to keep her cool. And exactly. the, the, the strangest thing she can do is like do her downward dog in front of them and they're like, Wow, oh. you can really do that. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, maybe it's cool. <laughs> but no, I wish that like, you know, that energy showed up in her film work in that same, it's just so dynamic, but in, you know, and, and so thrilling and like, there's and, a real and, character. And such, and such a, um, such a uh, untapped resource because I watched yeah. that sequence and this is, this is probably one of my favorite sequences in all of Madonna videos is when she's, fe- the, the white Madonna's uh, fencing the black uh, Madonna. And she had to shoot it twice uh, in reverse order so she could fence herself. I so mean, she's doing it twice. She's surrounded by all kinds of Madonna, of James Bond iconography, including the original <laughs> odd job in a case to take the... Ha- I mean, like, there's so much dramaturgical yes. accuracy in that video. And she's frigging finally getting to fence. She doesn't get to fence no, in the movie. she doesn't. She, you know, this is the thing. I think she was like... Um, hello tractor it's madonna listen um in this video i need to fence myself because i didn't get to fence in the movie and no one can fence me fence with me the way that i need someone to so i'm going to do both parts plus it's really a story about good and bad dark and light and um and these are things that are past and and present past and present important to me because she's also this video also is sort of the entrance of kabbalah iconography into her work She's like, but listen, Tractor, I need this film, this to be really great because after it's done, I'm submitting it to the queen. <laughs> oh, no, but but seriously, she <laughs> and Charles was like, this this is too violent for Elizabeth to look at. Right, Charles is her screener. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. What else is he doing at that time? He's hanging out. He's yeah. He's hanging out. He's yeah. making sure the kids go to school. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, what the, well, and let's talk a little bit about the color because this is the first time that Kabbalah iconography yeah. actually is used within a Madonna. Yeah. And we've been very comp- yeah. artistic you know, uh, statement. She, yeah, she's been studying Kabbalah now for at this point at least three or four years. Yeah, um, we've seen images of her going to the Kabbalah Center. We've seen the red um, bracelet, you know, string bracelet on her hand. We, we've heard the stories. She hasn't and, and talked Kabbalah about it. Has, and Kabbalah is, is kind of having a pop culture moment. A lot of celebrities yeah. are doing it. A lot well, of people. Yeah. Around this, I think it's this year or the next year, she does a big sit down interview and she brings the rabbi from the Kabbalah center to talk about the work that they're doing. Yeah. And, um, uh, and in this video, she has a few things that reference the Kabbalah. One is, I think, this idea of fighting good and evil, but light, like the light or the darkness, yeah. which I think is central to and some of the And they can coexist, yeah. Right, right. And then she has these three Hebrew letters um, that are um, tattooed on her, as well as shown on screen at some point. Which together aren't isn't really a word, I think, is what I've understood. And but together they mean like God or, mm-hmm. um, and so. Um, and then she also does this thing where she wraps herself in these, um, like, uh, things called tefillin, which she does later in the video before she's about to be, um, executed, quote unquote, or electrocuted, electrocuted. Um, and she's wrapping herself in these, in these things that are, um, really, um, uh, sacrilegious for a non-Jew and a woman to wear. Um, and I think it's an interesting moment of Madonna sort of pushing the boundary of like, well, is this, is this appropriation 
or is this appreciation? And or is it fashion for her? I mean, I think she's trying to use them in the video as like she's gonna pray. Like they're put on before prayer by men. Um, yeah. They um, have like these boxes on on the top of these things that have like sacred texts in them. So they put them on before they pray. Um, so she's probably trying to put them on as this character as a way of like to have a final prayer before she's put on the to be electrocuted to try to save her or save her soul, which in this video works. Um, well, it saves her because just, she disappears. She doesn't get electrocuted. Right. Instead, the letters are burned on the chair and she, she's she running off. She's yeah. running off. Um, so it does save her. Um, but a lot of uh, people in the Orthodox Jewish community particularly had um, were very up in arms about this. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I don't know, as growing up as Jewish, like um, we donned to fill in when I was younger, like we would we would do that sometimes on r really religious holidays. I'm not such a good religious Jewish person to um, be highly offended by it, but um, I think it was a very controversial thing to do. And sort of her saying, like, religion is open to all. I, I can study the Kabbalah, you can study the Kabbalah. The Kabbalah had been something traditionally that was only studied by Jewish scholars, Orthodox Jewish scholars, men, at a certain point in their studies, very late into their studies. They had to sort of prove themselves to get there. But this whole movement of the Kabbalah is like, why are these texts secret? Why can't they be shared? They're the secrets of the world, you know? They're supposed to be able to give us enlightenment, which is, you know, and why are they being held back from us? Well, and I also think there's this this feeling of um, uh, taking uh, religion from the con taking the ideas of religion from the confines of the tradition and the kind of uh, rudimentary. There is this idea of, you know, religion is really about love and discovery. And right. it doesn't really matter the specifics of the rules of the religion. Right. But it's about what the religion teaches you. And I think that that's what she's trying to do. And yet she is keeping it very grounded in the tradition and kind of um, circumventing the tradition yeah. to try and make it into something else. Yeah. And I don't know necessarily how effective it is, but it certainly gives, gives the video a, a kind of hot poker for of, sure. of attention. I mean, it's like burning crosses. I mean, it, yeah. it is it is this equivalent to that in that it, there's something about it that could be considered heresy. And like, I think it's hard, similar to the burning the crosses, like where she doesn't give a lot of context. It's just imagery. It's iconography. And therefore it's open to interpretation, which makes it difficult um, for some people. Yeah. You know? um, this song was a huge hit. Yeah. It was so huge that it was the number one dance hit for 2002 and 2003. That's crazy to me. That's I mean, crazy to me. And yeah. a large part of that was because they put out a fabulous uh, remix album. I mean, there's uh, there's not a bad remix on there. It's crazy, too, because I, I do think I look now and I see all these uh, artists who just put out random just one off songs. And I, I sometimes wonder, like. What if what if that had this had been the trend forever after this? Like like it it had such impact because yeah. it was it was allowed to stand on its own as its own thing. I mean, what 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 is your favorite remix on this? Well, I've gone back and forth. I mean, I think ultimately the one that really speaks to me the most is the electro mix. Oh. Um, I just think that connects to again to the electro clash world that I love so much. Yeah. I think a 
I love the Brother uh, Brown Bond oh, Age yeah. Club. That is so good. dancing to these in clubs so much yeah. and just loving it and it was it was like 
you knew you knew it was going to like the song does they take you into all kinds of different directions yeah. and i love when they choose and when they choose not to include the strings yeah and it it really changes it well is it like the thunderpuss mix that doesn't even have the strings for like the first six minutes oh yeah it goes on and on and on and you're just kind of like oh like, oh it's like holding back holding back and then finally it just sort of releases into the song which i think is cool. magic yeah magic. yeah so good so good um so she does the song live um on the reinvention tour yes yes now you had a uh i had heard that she uh they were supposed to end the show with die another day uh -huh. which i think if you think about it could have been an interesting kind of you know her treatise kind of ends the show but they wound up obviously going with holiday and so this has moved to kind of the showgirl section yeah. and um it's a there's a beautiful tango that they do with it which i think is really cool yeah i think the performance is fine i think there's something like there's just they somehow don't capture the energy of the song like it mm. doesn't quite work for me um her vocals they're using the vocoder and whatever to move her voice around but it seems a little it doesn't seem as urgent as the song feels to me. No, no, it's a lot more artful. I mean, the one that for me that really works is when um, she resurrects it during the Sticky and Sweet tour. And uh -huh. she has that video of her it boxing, the boxing yeah. video. Yeah, and they do like a remix of the song. Stunning. And yeah. it's a new video. She's lit, She's singing it lo like in, in a new in a new version. Um, and and it, it, this, the line, um, I'm going to close my body now, that was the line in that video where I was like, oh, this is so important to the, because you look at her body and you look at the way that she has kind of transformed herself yet again by 2008. And yeah. it's just this stunning kind of version of, of almost transcending the physical yeah. that really resonates in that, in that sequence. Well, I mean, I think that's so much of what the song is about already. Right. And I think this idea of closing my body now mm. Is so crazy because you're trapped by it you're trapped yeah. by limitations that yeah. way yeah. to me to me the body feels in this moment it feels like a, a limitation for her uh -huh. and it's like how do i how do i um almost ascend out of it yeah over yeah. and over again or it's something that can just be a tool of power and strength versus an impediment yeah in a weird way like this song is um a really spiritual song oh totally oh my right? god yeah and um yeah i think that's really beautiful uh, and then there's that other version, which which was the big discovery for yeah. me, was when she um, did it um, during the, the MDNA shows, uh, that special Paris show. Yeah. She did it as a mashup with Beautiful Killer. Oh, yeah, it's so good. When does a Madonna song ascend to canon? When does it become one of the songs? Because I, I just, 
I went back and I listened to it, and the audience knows exactly what it is. It exactly knows what what's happening. They're so excited by it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's now canon. Die Another Day is now part of the canon. Yeah. It's a sound that once we hear, we know exactly what it is the second it comes up. Yeah. It's such a beautiful mashup. Yeah. You know, I think I think just in in wrapping up our conversation about Die Another Day, I think it's one of it's it's a song that like her other um, soundtrack songs, it it's both an opportunity to do something completely different and outside of the box, and it lays the groundwork for the future in this way that um, is is very exciting. And I I don't remember, I remember being very. Um, uh, stoked for what was to come in a way that swept away and up for grabs and um, even Verity and Die Another Day had not um, laid the groundwork for. I was I was now excited by what was to come yeah. in a way that, um, you know, for me personally, I wasn't as stoked by Madonna being in London and looking like a traditional... Um, English lady as much as possible. And I think Die Another Day, as much as I think a lot of other people were, and I remember when Die Another Day came out, I was like, oh, our girl's still still in there. In there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And the reality is, is that she did achieve her goal by the end of 2002. Our imagined goal. Our imagined goal. Um, she met the queen at the premiere of Die Another Day. Yes, there's that great photo of them like shaking hands or holding hands and Madonna looks like like she can barely control herself like she's embarrassed and uncomfortable or giggling or she um, pulled it off she pulled it off she she's, pulled it she's off. made it into royalty you guys she's made it into royalty next stop dame Madonna. <laughs> I don't think so <laughs> don't you have to be British to be I a, think first of all you do you have to be British a British British citizen yeah. and you have to have contributed significantly to the British culture. Well, that's what she's done this year. She's given awards out at the Tate. She's been on the West End. She's joined one of the most prestigious British franchises in the entire world. She's has three properties and you know, she's paying she's a lot of taxes. But but paying a lot of taxes. Oh so yeah, baby. That's what got her into the room, but well, and she started to experiment with with her accents. Oh, yes. It's coming, baby. Uh, the voice changes are coming. The voice changes are coming. So um, we're going to go have a pint and, and get ready to cross the pond ourselves. Yes. And uh, I think um, I'm going to listen to Die Another Day. You are? Totally. What do you mean? I'm going to listen to the Deep Ski remix to Die Another Day. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, maybe I'll listen to that, too. You better start practicing your fencing. <laughs> On guard. <laughs> Till next time. Another day. It's not my time to go. For every sin, I'll have to pay. A time to work, a time to play. I think I'll find another way. It's not my time. Ladies and gentlemen, at this point, M is wrapped for the I'll Die Another Day video. I just want to say that I never want to see any of you. <laughs> 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 <laughs>